0: Welcome to Belly of Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater, And welcome back, MD Nation. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and you're listening to the MD's fantasy football show. And we're recording this on Saturday night, only about mm, 36 hours later than we typically do, typically would want to. Uh, from recording on Friday afternoons for these shows. We are talking about the best five, bus five, and sleeper five of the wide receiver position. And unfortunately, we just had one of those days, or I just had one of those days where a lot of important things all kind of came falling apart all at once. It just required my attention and was more of a priority over recording this podcast. Sometimes those certain things happens, you have to have your priorities in order, but that is why uh, we are recording this much later than we anticipated. I apologize for that. Hopefully, you guys will still be able to find this episode, enjoy this episode, and be able to get a lot of information from this episode. Uh, and because we are recording this Saturday night, and I'm back on the road, of course, for my day job, that means this is the first episode in a while, well, actually since last year, that is only available on the podcast format we are not streaming on video for this particular episode so make sure you're listening to this of course you are on your favorite podcast app at any given time we'll be back on video back on our normal schedule uh starting next week but this gives you a little bit of taste of what our first two episodes of the week during the season are going to be like because when we recap the football games when we talk about the waiver wire episode those episodes are just going to be podcasts like the good old days back to the fundamentals and we'll still be video podcasting on Thursday and Friday when we talk about the preview shows uh twice a week as well so that's what that's what will be happening when we're going to four episodes a week just so you guys are aware uh unfortunately we just weren't able to get on the video for this one but hopefully you guys will still be able to enjoy this all the same. Remember, we're going to have a mailbag segment at the end of today's show. You can always get on the mailbag segment by contacting the MD Nation hotline, 609-362-2480. Or you can contact us on social media, on Facebook and on Twitter, at BellyUpMDFFShow. Or you can always email the show directly at football at gmail. Dot com. So like I said, we got the best five, bus five, and sleeper five for the wide receiver positions today. A very important position to talk about for fantasy football, and that's why I want to make sure I got this episode out to you guys as soon as I possibly could, because we're starting to get into late August, and that means we're getting closer and closer into the heavy draft season that we're all going to be finding ourselves in as we get, what, three weeks away from the season now? Very exciting times. Football started starting to pick up. The energy around football is starting to pick up. You can feel it, people are getting excited. They know it's getting closer. COVID so far, the tests have been I would I would go out on a limb and say pretty successful being that there hasn't been that many players that have gotten it, have tested positive for it, and we haven't heard of any breakouts through the first week, week and a half or so of training camp thus far, which I know gives me hope. I've been trying to stay optimistic throughout this entire process, and I think this goes to show that there is hope that we might be able to get through an entire season without there being too much of an outbreak, too many problems. And we're talking about fantasy football here The COVID thing is a real concern for fantasy football owners, right? Because you know, if it goes through a certain team, it goes through a certain uh, depth chart, it could really spell out disaster for the players that have, for the teams that have those players on their roster. It really creates a murky situation that everyone is kind of. Uh, nervous about playing fantasy football in 2020 is kind of going to come with the territory but as long as there's going to be season there's going to be fantasy football making it exciting and I'm feeling more and more optimistic about it for the most part being able to maintain the course now like I've said before I still am a bit skeptical about what we're going to see in the fall because we haven't seen the second burst yet from COVID-19 unfortunately but hopefully we can maintain what we've been able to accomplish so far and keep the positive tests to the minimum, keep the impact of this disease to the minimum, and hopefully everybody can continue to get healthier, and hopefully we will have an answer soon. But getting back to the fantasy football of it all, we're going to lead off this show, of course, with the best five receivers from the MD's Fantasy Football Rankings that you can always check out on com. You can find it up there on Fantasy Pros. We are available to you. We have projections up there. We have tiers up there. We have the writers' consensus rankings up there, along with weekly, even daily, articles coming out of there. Uh, All great information for you guys. Now, to start with our best five, of course, we're going to start with our fifth best wide receiver. And I'm glad we're starting off with this guy because he's a bit of a controversial mark when it compares to my rankings to everybody else's because this guy is not the consensus number five or not even in the consensus top five of wide receivers. And I think that's ridiculous. And his name is Amari Cooper. Now the big thing about Amari Cooper that a lot of people will talk to you guys about is that well they all question how consistent is he because he's a guy who's been boomer bust will be really hot for about 6 week period and suddenly he cools off. My counterpoint to that is is that that's old news. That's a that's an old reputation on Amari Cooper that really doesn't hold any water since coming to Dallas. Now, I know what you're going to say. Well, Dan At the end of last season there with the Dallas Cowboys, Amari Cooper fell off the face of the earth after he was performing as a top five wide receiver. My retort to that would be he was injured. He wasn't healthy. When he is healthy and on the field for the Dallas Cowboys, he has consistently been a wide receiver one. Plain and simple. I do not count from week about 11 on last year when it looked like a shell of the player that we know Omari Cooper to be in what was a very good offense leading up until that point, a very explosive offense. I don't count that. I don't count that as a mark against him. That wasn't the same player. He was on decoy status, and we all knew it each and every single one of those weeks. Now, we're going into this season, and a lot of people have amnesia about the circumstances around certain players from last year, and that's why you listen to podcasts like this to try to get refreshed. That's why I always recommend to everybody, if you have Game Pass or can afford Game Pass, that it's worth it to do if you are a serious fantasy player because it's worth it to go back and look at these games, look at the circumstances surrounding them, why did players do well, and in some cases, why did they not. And Amari Cooper, his first 10 weeks, he was third in receiving yards. He was second in receiving touchdowns. And his 2018 pace, when he got just from his Dallas Cowboy games, would have been 134 targets, 94 receptions, 1,288 yards, and 10 touchdowns. When this guy is healthy, since playing for the Dallas Cowboys, he is consistently putting up wide receiver one numbers. Now, if you want to retort to me, like, well, I question whether or not he can stay healthy for 16 games that's fine. I'm not going to argue with you there. That's the way you're going to, you're going to choose to look at it. Everybody's different. Everybody factors in risk differently when they're looking to pick their lineups. But here's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at a guy in a situation with the Dallas Cowboys that could be a top three, maybe even top two offense in the NFL this season with the weapons that they have. Their defense has been getting injured. That defensive line, which should have been their strength, has taken a lot of hits over the past couple of weeks with now Donatari Poe. Not sure when he's going to come back, Gerald McCoy got sent out on waivers because of his injuries and he's going to be out for this season. So all of a sudden that defense that looked like it was going to be pretty competent may pave the way for that offense to have to score even more points than frankly, they were already set up to do Bringing in C.D. Lamb already, even as a rookie, a massive improvement over Randall Cobb last season. You're going to be primarily 11 personnel. You're going to be primarily three receiver sets, which means C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup are most likely going to be playing the perimeter. Amari Cooper is going to get that juicy matchup playing against that nickel third corner a lot of the time. Especially when there's formations, which I expect to be 50% or possibly even more of the time in the particular offense they're going to be running with Kellen Moore in its second year. So if that continues with those matchups, the fact that you're not going to be able to double Amari Cooper, you're not going to be able to take him out of the game plan just opens it up even more for this guy to get one-on-ones, and he dominates in one-on-one situations. Not to mention, when you're a wide receiver and you're lining up from the slot and you are the wide receiver one of your team, volume is always going to be there. It's one of the big reasons, and we're not going to talk about too much in today's show, it's one of the big reasons why I'm so high on Tyler Lockett, why he's in my top 10. Because when you are a slot receiver with true wide receiver one talent on your team, you are going to get an additional amount of volume compared to everybody else. You're going to be head and shoulders leading in that category. That's what I expect out of Amari Cooper. That's why he's my number five wide receiver. I love this guy a lot. and With his ADP and the value that you can get him at in the late second round, possibly even third round in some mock drafts that I've been a part of, yes, give me shares of Amari Cooper. There's a very real chance that I could wind up with him. He's that one wide receiver that really gives me pause because like I've been preaching to you guys, I've been all about pounding running backs for at least the three rounds, possibly even the first four rounds just because of the way the value really shapes up in a lot of ADPs and a lot of rankings in fantasy football this year. But he's the one guy who I stare down the barrel at when I'm looking in the third round and I say, you know what, I'm looking at a guy who I truly believe has all the makings, has all the situation that he needs to be a top five wide receiver sitting there in the third round, making it very, very tempting and really forcing me to go to my board to make sure I'm getting the best possible value in those situations. So think what you want about Amari Cooper. Think that he's inconsistent. Think that all those things that are false narratives around him. The only one, like I said, I'll give you is that if you want to argue with me that you worry about the injuries, fine. But I'm telling you right now, you're missing out on a guy who truly has top five potential and is my number five receiver going into this season. Now, our number four guy on the board is Devontae Adams. Now, of course, I want to reiterate when we're talking about these uh Scoring formats, we're talking about these rankings, I should say, uh, on these podcasts. We're talking about it from a half point PPR standpoint. Uh, Devontae Adams is probably only second to Michael Thomas when it comes to potential as far as pure volume goes, right? I got him, pro- I, not projected, his pace last season was 169 targets. His pace last year. Yeah, He was injured last year. He missed quite a few games. But his pace was 169 targets. Michael Thomas, who broke the record with 185. That's what? Only 16 less targets than Michael Thomas and getting thrown to by Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams was a consistent wide receiver. One, when he was healthy on the field. The only thing about his pace that was off because he was on pace for 110 receptions and over 1,300 yards. The only thing about his pace that was off from what he normally does throughout his career was the touchdowns. He's only on a seven-touchdown pace. But that would have been one of his career lows since becoming a number one wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. This is a double-digit touchdown guy a year. And I'm sick and tired of having the whole, well, he hasn't gone over 1,000 yards yet in his career. That's a bogus stat line, and those of you throwing it out there know it. Because it's about entry. It's about the fact that he wasn't the wide receiver one until two years ago. It's ridiculous. You know, from a consistent standpoint, when Devontae Adams is on the field, he consistently finishes inside the top ten, most of the time inside the top five. And he is the only receiver in my book, even though I have him ranked number four, that I believe has the true potential to usurp Michael Thomas as the number one because the volume is just going to be there. The consistency is just going to be there. And that's why Adams is our number four wide receiver. I don't know if I need to talk about him any more than that because everybody should kind of know what it is he brings to the table, what situation it is that he finds him in, and the fact that Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust anybody on the Green Bay Packers throwing the football to anyone else besides Devontae Adams on that level. No one else has this level of trust. The number two receiver is going to be Alan Lazard, and he can't even hold Devontae Adams' jockstrap when it comes to the level of trust, the level of chemistry that clearly exists between Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers when they're on the field so to me he's number four and that could be ranking him quite frankly at his floor for half point PPR leagues but I'm gonna get into why he's my number four next up I got Tyreek Hill at number three now Tyreek Hill his pace last year because again you're talking about another guy who missed quite a few time with the collarbone injury that he had his pace was 118 targets 77 receptions 1100 almost 1150 yards and about nine touchdowns now of course those numbers are all down from the previous year when they went to 50 touchdowns and part of that pace had to do with also not having Patrick Mahomes for a few games but this offense is one of the top offenses with their guys not being available all season long Tyreek Hill Patrick Mahomes Damian Williams went down for a stretcher turn to guys like Deshaun McCoy and given Darrell Williams run and trying to really shake out anybody they could possibly find the only person who played all 16 games really was Travis Kelsey that's it I think this offense might be in for a boom this season or at least look closer to what we saw two years ago than last year and if that's going to be the case you're talking about a guy in Tyreek Hill who can explode with the best of them who can win you your league win you your week single-handedly almost better than anybody else available And if you're going to give me potential, not saying they're going to do it, but potential historic caliber offensive play, well, then I want a piece of that, especially if you're Tyreek Hill. I want those big plays. I want those big games. I want that guy who's just going to take the top off and put me over the edge almost any given week. Is he going to be as consistent as Devontae Adams, as the Julio Jones, as the Michael Thomas? No, probably not. But if he's on an offense that's even a little bit better than what it was last year, somewhere in between their record-setting season where Patrick Mahomes threw 50 touchdowns and a year ago, he's going to be in the top three at his position if that's going to happen. And I truly believe that's going to happen. I don't think there's a lot of people who would disagree with that. Now, number two is Julio Jones. Yes, the man, the myth, the legend. I know, I know. Everybody wants to harp on the fact that this guy... Does not score as many touchdowns as he should. Great. You know what he does do. He consistently goes for 13 plus 100 yards. He consistently goes for 100 catches. He consistently goes for under over 150 targets. He is always the guy. And look, even if Calvin Ridley has this big boom this season that everybody's anticipating, it won't come at the expense of Julio Jones. Austin Hooper is gone, and maybe Hayden Hurst is able to replicate what Austin Hooper is. Even if he is able to do that, you know who else is gone? Mohamed Sanu. Their third receiver in Russell Gage does not command the amount of targets the third receiver did last year. So Calvin really could get a boost while Julio Jones is able and continues to maintain. To maintain. I'm projecting him for over 100 catches again this season. I'm projecting for over 1,300 yards again this season. And here's going to be the key. I'm projecting for seven to eight touchdowns. Now, he had six last season. If he gets that extra touchdown or two, what's holding this guy back from being the wide receiver too? Absolutely nothing. I don't think there needs to be an argument made for Julio Jones. Is it annoying that he's not a, double touchdown, a digit double-digit touchdown guy when he should be? Yes, it's absolutely 100% annoying, but I also know that this is an even year. I know the Falcons are coming off of a down year overall as far as their offense production goes, and that always means the Falcons will bounce back and be one of the top offenses. Matt Ryan will bounce back. Julio Jones could even get more of a boost than what he normally gives you because of that result. Calvin Ridley will be great. Hayden Hirsch will be great. And you all know how I feel about Todd Gurley this season. There's nothing not to like. I want pieces of this Atlanta offense. Julio Jones is a big part of that. He's not falling off. Calvin Ridley's not going to be the wide receiver one. That's why I get a little annoyed when people keep talking about Calvin Ridley being the new Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin out-targeted Mike Evans. He wound up being the higher fantasy scoring receiver than Mike Evans. That's not going to happen in the situation of Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Julio Jones is the alpha. It's not the same situation that it was in Tampa Bay. There is no question about it. So, Julio Jones is not suddenly going to become second fiddle or even equal level to Calvin Ridley this season. It's not going to happen. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? ha! in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh, cosmic, crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Now, number one, and we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about it, of course, is Michael Thomas, because after the season this guy put up last year, someone's going to have to take the mantle from him in order for him to be usurped for me in my rankings. I mean, the production was absolutely ridiculous. Now, do I expect a downturn in his overall production from last? Yes. I mean, let's, let's remind you, 185 targets, 149 catches, 1,700 yards, and 9 touchdowns. The only thing that I think is replicable from last season would be his touchdowns. That's it. Everything else is going to come down a little bit, but, and kind of like the Lamar Jackson scenario, his stats can come down across the board, and he would still be the number one guy because that's how far the gap was. That's how far the gap arguably could be. Will Emmanuel Sanders command more targets than any second wide receiver the Saints had last year or have had in the past two seasons? Yes, absolutely. That's a big reason why I have him coming down quite a bit. But will that stop Michael Thomas from being the unicorn of consistency at the wide receiver position? No. The Saints offense, talk about offenses that can rival top five, top three, even number one, Saints offense is going to be right there in that conversation. Drew Brees is going to have one-on-one matchups everywhere on the field. What's not to like? Emmanuel Sanders, guess what? Defenses are not going to be able to come in against the Saints and game plan to take Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara out of it. That's not going to be, that's not going to be able to be their singular focus. Emmanuel Sanders makes sure that you have to stay honest, that you have to respect the opposite side of the field. You add Jared Cook in there for a second season with Drew Brees, who was doing really well towards the end of last year. If you're telling me you can't double Thomas or cloud cover Thomas on a consistent basis, yeah, maybe he doesn't go for almost 190 targets. But I think a safe bet is 145. I think a safe bet would be 110 catches. I think it's a safe bet. He gets 13 to 1,400 yards. And I have him getting that extra touchdown for 10 this year. I think those are all pretty safe numbers to expect out of Michael Thomas. And guess what they all have in common in a half-point PPR stand, uh, standard format? Those stats make him number one. By a decent margin, too. I have him finishing the season with 247 fantasy points. Next best, Julio Jones at 231. That's a significant gap from a number one to a number two overall at the receiver position. Significant. Because that means on a per-game basis, you're scoring an entire point more per game than the other guy. And that is a huge gap in fantasy football. So there's nothing not to like. There's no reason to think that he won't be able to duplicate it. And it's his consistency which makes him such a beast. Which makes him such gold. Makes him fantasy gold. Period. And that's why he's our number one. Now, of course, in the next segment, we're going to talk about the other side of this coin, which is the bus five. But before we get to that, I do want to talk to you guys about a sponsor of the show called the DFS Doctors. Daily fantasy sports experts guiding you to be a winner in the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB. The DFS doctors are a team with 7 plus years of experience in DFS who conduct comprehensive data analysis using advanced metrics to provide you with high quality FanDuel and DraftKings lineups. Their goal for you is to win big without having to spend researching yourself. And now if you use the promo code BELLYUP, you will get 15% off your next subscription. So check them out at the DFS Doctors on Twitter or at CouchSmackSports.com today. Now, next up, talking about the Bus 5 receivers. And this, I look forward to talking about my Bus 5 but really any position because this is where it gets the most controversial. This is where I'll get the most feedback from you guys at MD Nation about what you agree with and what you perhaps disagree with. And that's, of course, what we live for. Look, whenever we're giving you the rankings, whenever we're getting this analysis... I'm giving you based off of the time and the research and the algorithms that I have put forth to try to give you the best possible logical explanation and insight, right? That's what I'm doing here as the podcast host for you. But you have to do what you feel is best for your team. And that means disagreeing? That's fine. If you have a gut instinct over somebody, if your gut instinct is that Devontae Adams needs to be in front of Julio Jones... Okay, that's fine too. I completely understand why you may feel that way. You have to do what you think is your best for your team. My job here is to make sure you have the best insight, the best information for your drafting theory as possible so you can make the most informed decision as possible. I'm here as a guide to you, but the guide does not tell you what to do. So everyone keep that in mind, whether it's this show or any other show that you're listening to out there. You gotta do what you feel is best for you. And I go to say that because we're gonna be talking about some controversial bus fives that I'm just I'm just not as big on. And starting off with probably the biggest name of them all on this list at number five is DeAndre Hopkins. Now let me qualify this. And I've qualified this in other episodes with with guys in similar positions. DeAndre Hopkins is not somebody who I think is going to lose your league. If you draft DeAndre Hopkins as a top five wide receiver, I don't think it's something that you will definitely regret or will severely hinder your chances. But the reason why he makes my bust five in this scenario is because I just feel like he's very much overvalued. His ADP is wide receiver four. And we have him ranked at wide receiver 14. Now let's look, Let's look, before we get into the numbers, let's look, let's look at this from a football standpoint. From a reality of the situation standpoint, as I like to say. He's going to a downgraded system. Well, I shouldn't say a downgraded system, but going to a downgrade in quarterback. Kyler Murray is not as good of a quarterback as Deshaun Watson. I don't think that should be something that is debatable Right now, especially given what Deshaun Watson's been able to accomplish in his career. And that being that Kyler Murray's rookie year was okay, but not really that great. So he's getting a downgraded quarterback. He's going into a new system, which can always have risk, a la OBJ from last season. And it's in a year in which, kind of similar to some of the reservations that we have about rookies this season in certain situations... It's a year in which he hasn't had much time to practice, and because he tweaked his hamstring earlier in the week, has already missed a couple of practices during this time, which are so precious, because teams only have 14 padded practices heading into this season. This is a team that we also don't know their true identity as of yet, and we're not really going to know until we see them take the field on week one. I've talked about this in several other shows. Does Cliff Kingsbury go back to what he wanted to do early on in the season last year now that he has the toy in DeAndre Hopkins? Does he feel that he has the depth at wide receiver he needs in order to go back to going four wide receivers again on a consistent basis and spreading the ball out and doing a true air raid system from his college days? Or are we going to see what became a more efficient offense, a more cohesive offense, Towards the end of last season, when they committed to more two tight end sets, when they committed to running the football, especially when they got inside of the red zone, which helped them immensely. They still weren't a great red zone scoring team, but it helped them immensely improve upon where they were earlier on in the season. We don't really know which identity we're going to get yet. Because DeAndre Hopkins, he, he monies the waters as far as what Cliff Kingsbury would have done otherwise. So that's where it becomes a little bit interesting. That's where I get a little bit curious. So he's coming, at the very least, he's coming into a new situation where there hasn't been any chemistry built up and hasn't been really any time to build chemistry up heading into week one. So it already could be a slow developing thing, especially early on in the season. With that many question marks, I don't see how you can take this guy in the top five wide receivers. I just don't. I don't see how this guy could be a borderline first-round pick in some people's eyes if you, if you value wide receivers that way, or even a second-round pick. Especially, and this is probably even more important than his situation in Arizona as to why I have him ranked much lower, why I have him more specifically valued much lower, is that his stat line from last year was about 1,100 yards, a little over 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns on 150 targets on 104 catches. But that is a stat line that is looking like it could be, I don't want to say overwhelmingly common, but more receivers are going to be in that range the way this year is really setting up to be. So it might not even be so much that his statistics are that much off from what they were a season ago. It could be just that we went from having a bad wide receiver year last year to really looking like we might be on our way to a strong one this season. So getting just over 1,100 yards and 6-7 to seven touchdowns might not be enough for him to finish in the top five like he did a season ago. Because there's a lot of guys who are actually looking at those type of numbers this year. So he may fall further down just because of that result. And that's a real thing to consider here when you're talking especially about DeAndre Hopkins along with those other question marks that I just brought up. And I wanted to give you guys some perspective here too as far as him going into Arizona. He had 150 targets with the Houston Texans last season. Nobody got close to that amount of targets in Arizona because even when they go four wide, even when they go pass first, Cliff Kingsbury's offense is designed to To spread the ball around. That's what it's designed to do. Larry Fitzgerald had 109 targets last season. Christian Kirk had 108 targets last season. They led the way. That's a pretty even split. It's not designed to go to just one guy all the time, like at Devontae Adams or Michael Thomas, to just get fed over and over and over again. So I don't see him getting those targets that we saw with the Houston Texans last season, just due to the way the offense shapes up, along with being a downgraded quarterback, along with there being there should be taking some time to get some chemistry going. I don't see it. I have him for 90 receptions, I have him for over 1,100 yards, and I have him for six touchdowns. Touchdowns, of course, you know, being a big key in that. Which is, I don't believe Kyler Murray is just, I just don't believe he's an effective quarterback throwing the football in the red zone. Some people are going to knock me for that because there's a lot of Kyler Murray truthers out there. And I'm just, you know what? I admit it. I'm not one of them. I don't think he's bad. Don't get me twisted. But I never thought this was a generational franchise guy that you expect to be when you're the number one pick. I think there are a lot of shortcomings. Pun intended. I've never seen a quarterback have to jump backwards in order to see over his line of scrimmage in the red zone to try to throw the ball. His arm is not as strong as Patrick Mahomes. It's not even as strong as Russell Wilson's. He's not as fast as Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson running the football. I think he can be very good. I think he'd be very competent. But I don't think we're looking at the emergence of a superstar. Now, that's from an NFL perspective. We've talked about Kyler Murray in the show. We have him as a top-six quarterback for fantasy football purposes. It's a whole different ball game, especially when we're talking about a guy who should be in line to rush for 500-plus yards this season. I want to make sure that's not getting twisted. But we're examining this aspect of it from an NFL standpoint because we're talking about the wide receivers, talking about DeAndre Hopkins. I just don't think he's valued at his ADP. And I want to make sure MD Nation, you have the full argument in front of you as to why I strongly do not feel that way. And maybe it'll help you see things differently or help you make a more informed decision if you do decide to pull the trick on DeAndre Hopkins in the, in the top five. Just have that in the back of your mind. Plus, there's so much value at wide receiver this year that why, why waste a pick? Why waste a possible bottom first round or a, a top tier second round pick on a guy who has as many question marks as he does this season. Why bother when there's so much value, especially rounds four through 10, when it comes to the wide receiver position? Our next one up is Debo Samuel. And I don't know if people just don't realize that there's a very real chance... He's not going to play the first month of the year. I don't know if people are still operating under the idea, under the assumption that he may only miss the first week or two or that he might be back sooner rather than later. But here's the facts around the situation. If he comes back by week two in the NFL season, that would be a mini miracle. It would. He's not due back that early. We are talking at least the month of September if not into October for a week or two, by the time Debo Samuel's actually healthy enough and ready to come back and play at a high level. So that's the number one factor going against them. You're on an offense that's clearly run first, that spreads the ball around. Outside of targeting George George Kittle a lot, they don't target the receivers a ton, even when they had Emmanuel Sanders last year. These aren't guys that are going to get... It's not a unit on the team that's going to get consistent volume in general and if it does take I don't know four, five, six weeks even for Debo Sam to come back healthy who's to say Brandon Ayuk doesn't develop a rapport with Jimmy Garoppolo during that time Is all reports are he's developing that rapport pretty strongly in training camp right now who's to say because Brandon Ayuk is going to be more of that prototypical perimeter wide receiver for this team who's to say that Brandon Ayuk doesn't really become the number one read while Debo Samuel does all the little things that Debo Samuel does, the slot receiver going in the motion, doing the the reverses, the roundabouts, the end arounds—I should say—that's not going to be a highly volume targeted position as far as you know fantasy purposes go. And the reason why I harp on this is because even as of now, his ADP is wide receiver thirty-two, wide receiver thirty-two. You're telling me that Debo Samuel is being drafted as a guy who should be in your consistent week-to-week flex territory? Who we know for a fact, whether you think he is going to come back in two weeks, is definitely not going to play all 16 games this season because he's at least going to miss the first couple of weeks at best? Why? Why? It doesn't make any sense. We have him ranked at wide receiver 59, so we are drastically different than the ADP. We have him in the range of the Curtis Samuels. We have him behind Brandon Ayuk, the Brashad Perrymans, the Randall Cobbs. He's back in that tier of wide receiver. I don't understand it. I don't understand why take the risk, again, at a position that has a lot of value this season. Number three, Keenan Allen. Now, again, I should probably preface this kind of similar to DeAndre Hopkins. This is more of an overvalue than a bust, necessarily. We haven't ranked at wide receiver 33, so we still believe he'll be a solid wide receiver 3 of flex play. But his ADP is wide receiver 20. He ain't going to be a consistent... Wide, uh, he ain't going to be a consistent... Low-end wide receiver, too, throughout the year. That's that's not going to happen. No matter how you break this down for the Chargers, I think everyone is in pretty much in agreement that you're going from Phillip Rivers to Tyrod Taylor. At the very least, there's going to be a significant drop in pass attempts. How significant that drop will be? Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com teamready team Really anybody's guess. And that includes even if they turn the keys over to Justin Herbert at some point. I don't expect it to be much different as far as pass versus run. Keenan Allen's a guy who survived off of volume, especially for fantasy football purposes. I mean, the last three years alone, his targets have been 159, 136, 149. He's been hovering around 100 receptions, and he scored six touchdowns the last three years in a row. So he's already not a touchdown guy. We, we know that. And if they're going to go from almost 600 pass attempts to most likely, at most, closer to 500 pass attempts, which would be, what, 63 more attempts than Tyrod Taylor's career high as it is? So you're already doing a little bit of projecting in that sense? He ain't going to get those whopping numbers of targets. He's not going to get those whopping numbers of receptions. not going to happen we have him for 110 targets 71 receptions i feel pretty good about those numbers and keenan allen from a fantasy standpoint is not going to thrive off of that because he doesn't score enough touchdowns hell and with the with the drop in volume i don't think you can count on him to score six touchdowns this season we have him for about three to four Kyra's not going to look for him in the end zone. He's going to look for Mike Williams. He's going to look for Hunter Henry. He's going to run it. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of Keenan Allen this season. Volume is the name of his game, and volume is something that's not shaping up to be there this season, regardless of what you think of the quarterback situation. It's just not, it's just not going to be in the cards. So for those of you drafting him as the wide receiver 20, don't. There are so many guys with more upside. We have him back in the territory of James C. Crowder. I think that's where he belongs. I think his numbers are going to be pretty similar to James C. Crowder this season. Guys like Marquise Brown have him way more upside going in his territory. Tyler Boyd, I'd rather have DJ Chark. I'd rather have these guys are in line for volume and they have way more upside. Which brings us to our number two. And I was going to say I I catch the most flack for this, but I think it's a pretty even split between my number two guy and my number one guy, who we'll get to in a second. But Adam Thielen is our number two wide receiver as far as busts go. Our number two bust wide receiver. He's our number 29 receiver as far as rankings go. He's being drafted as the wide receiver 13, which is just dumb. I'm sorry, it is. It's just dumb. I know... I know that he was hurt last year, and before last year, he's been finishing as a top-10 wide receiver or around that territory. Okay. That was in different offenses, in different circumstances. Adam Thielen's numbers go down without Stephon Diggs historically. Adam Thielen's numbers go down when he has to play on the perimeter more so than the slot, historically. Those are two things he's going to have to do this season. Justin Jefferson's going to play the slot more than Adam Thielen because that is his strength. And as a rookie who's going to play a lot, you're going to want to play to his strength, especially in a season where you don't know what you're going to be able to get out of these guys with a practice on a consistent basis. So you're going to need to put them in their strongest suits. Plus, not to mention, the other reason Adam Thielen's going to play a lot on the perimeter is just because of the style of the offense. They want their bigger receivers on the perimeter because they like the guys who are bigger and can block. Well, that means Thielen's going to play. He's going to play on the outside a lot, if nothing else, for the running game. Is he going to be the most targeted wide receiver on the Vikings? Yes, 100 percent, absolutely. But I don't know if that means a whole lot. This is a this is a team. This is a quarterback going through the ball 466 times a season ago. Was Kevin Stefanski technically the offensive coordinator? Sure. Was that offensive system any different than what Kubiak runs anyway? No. Has he historically thrown the ball more as the offensive coordinator? Yes. But I would also argue he hasn't had this good of a rushing attack since the Houston Texans and Arian Foster got hurt so much that it kind of skewed the numbers a little bit there, too. I think Kubiak has gotten more run-heavy in his older age. Less pass-happy. I think he's a strong wide receiver three. I have him ranked at wide receiver 29. I'm not telling you this is a guy who's going to ruin your team. This is, again, this is another guy who's not going to he's not going to lose you your league. But you are going to be drastically overdrafting him as the number 13 wide receiver. You're telling me in 12-man league, he's a borderline wide receiver one. The upside's not there. He doesn't have the big play. He's going to be volume-based. But now, when you take away Stephon Diggs, and why historically his numbers aren't as good without Stephon Diggs... Because now he's a guy you can double cover. Opposing defenses are going to game plan specifically for Adam Thielen. They're not going to game plan for Justin Jefferson. They're not going to game plan for B. C Johnson. It's going to be Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. That's what the game plan is going to be from opposing defenses. If you double cover or cloud cover Adam Thielen, he could disappear. I've seen it time and time again when he's stuck in those situations. It's usually what winds up being a Stephon Diggs game. I just I worry about Adam Thielen. I'm not as excited as everybody else is on this idea that he's going to get all this volume and therefore going to thrive with no Stephon Diggs in the work. I don't see it that way. I think it's the opposite effect. I think he's going to be playing out of position with more attention, and I don't think he's a receiver who thrives under those conditions. I don't have him even quite making 1,000 yards this year. I have him for 950 yards about six to seven touchdowns 62 receptions on the year and that's with him playing 16 games this is a heavy run first team still a wide receiver three still a guy who can help your team if you draft him at the right value if you zag while everybody else zigs and if somebody wants to draft him as the wide receiver 13 well then let someone else make that mistake our number one bust is DJ Moore. Yep, DJ Moore. Everyone loves DJ Moore. I don't. And not because I don't love him as, as a talent. I, I think he's I think he's a great talent. I think he's in a great system. I think he's going to have a great role. But when you look at it from the lenses of a fantasy football perspective, Similar to a Keenan Allen, this is a guy who thrives on high volume. 135 targets last year, 87 receptions, almost 1,200 yards, and only four touchdowns. We all know he's not a touchdown guy. So he needs the volume. Why is that a problem this season with the Carolina Panthers after I just said he's in a great offensive system and in a great role within that offense? Well, because the offense, even though he's a great setup. NFL-wise, the offense is designed to spread the ball around. That offense added Robbie Anderson this season. It added Teddy Bridgewater, who's a guy, when he's not on the Saints anyway, who does typically, historically, like to spread the ball around. Doesn't just target one guy over and over again. Now, he did last year, but I mean whether it was Drew Brees or Teddy Bridgewater, it didn't really matter. They were just targeting Michael Thomas over and over again because you didn't have any other weapons to go to. Curtis Samuel had a down year last year. We could very well see his statistics improve. Robbie Anderson's a hell of a receiver to have. So my point here, I mean, really, with the Carolina Panthers in general, anybody not named Christian McCaffrey kind of finds themselves in a situation where there's so many other good pieces that I don't know if there's any one particular player who winds up excelling because I don't know they're going to be put in that position to get the volume they need to excel from a fantasy standpoint. And if you're going to give me a guy whose potential in the touchdown department is only four to six, well then he better be getting me 130 to 140 targets. And I just don't quite have that for DJ Moore. Have him for 122 and about 73 receptions, about 900 yards, and I'm even giving him an extra touchdown in five this season puts him at wide receiver 27 for me. Now again, a wide receiver 3, but again, this is a guy who's being drafted as a very high-end wide receiver 2 with his ADP at 14. I have him more in the range of Calvin Ridley, who I'd rather have, of DK Metcalf, who I'd rather have, of Michael Gallup, who yes, I'd rather have. Jarvis Landry, Marvin Jones, Robert Woods, Devontae Parker, A.J. Brown, Allen Robinson. I'd rather have all of those guys. And all those guys we have ranked below wide receiver 14. Our wide receiver 14 is DeAndre Hopkins. I'd rather have Terry McLaurin this season. And even if you're a big D.J. Moore fan, I think you have to agree that all of those wide receivers I just listed have similar potential to D.J. Moore, given their situations. And I would argue all of them have higher ceilings. Again, it kind of harps back to to some degree of there's being a lot of really good receivers to choose from this season. We're going to go from having a down year at the quarterback position, having a down year at the wide receiver position in fantasy football, to probably having one of the strongest years we've seen in a long time. I don't really think there's any doubt about that. It sets up perfectly. With defenses not being able to practice, it's going to take a while for their fundamentals of tackling, for their for their chemistry, for their communication to really take hold. Offenses are going to be at a huge advantage to start the year. So we're going to see a lot of this early on. Not a chance in hell am I drafting DJ Moore or Adam Thielen this season. No chance. No chance. And I'm going to be just fine with that because I'm going to have plenty of guys who I think have much much higher upside, and similar floors. Now, before we get into the sleeper segment, I do want to talk to you guys about our sponsor of ours called The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are unable to travel, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. And right now, the gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the promo code 15OFF. Just go to thegallery.com. That's T-H-E-G-A-L-R-Y.com so your wall will never be boring again. Now for the sleepers. Now for the guys who can win you your league, who can give you that value, that boost to put you over the top. That's what everyone looks for. Number five, kind of mentioned a little bit. Marvin Jones. You want to talk about a guy who just consistently gets undervalued? That's Marvin Jones. Last year, he finished as the wide receiver 27 while playing just 13 games. His ADP right now is wide receiver 38. So you're telling me Marvin Jones falls just outside the wide receiver 3 territory in 12-man leagues, just outside the Considered week to week flex territory. And we have him ranked as wide receiver 22. Marvin Jones doesn't put up dissimilar numbers to Kenny Galladay. It is not far off. Now, are injuries a little bit more of a concern? Yes. Is he as consistent? No. A lot of times he'll have production, especially in the touchdown department. It'll come in maybe two or three games because he'll just get a bunch. But this is a guy who is worthy of your wide receiver 3, worthy worthy of your flex, and we have him really worthy as a low-end wide receiver 2 this season. We expect the Lions to throw the ball a lot. Matthew Stafford looked better last year than really at any point in his career that I can imagine. And as long as he's healthy enough to do so, I don't see why that cannot continue as his weapons continue to grow. They add DeAndre Swift... T.J. Hawkinson's another year into his development. Kenny Galladay's another year into his development. It's going to be a pretty good offense. Marvin Jones is a steal. If you're sitting there, 8th, 9th, 10th round, and Marvin Jones is going at his ADP at wide receiver 38, you're getting a steal because you are getting a guy who definitely, even if you don't have him ranked as high as we do at wide receiver twenty two. It definitely has wide receiver two potential. And I don't think that I don't think that can be argued. So that's why he's our number five sleeper. Hell of a value. Next guy is Jameson Crowder. ADP wide receiver forty eight. Blows my mind. Now I talked about Crowder. I've talked about the Jets. Him and Le'Veon Bell are the only two Jets that I want this season. That's it. I don't want anybody else. And it hasn't changed from last year. The slot receiver will always get volume in the Adam Gay system, on top of the fact that Jameson Crowder is the best Jess wide receiver. And that's just not me saying that. That's beat writers saying that, guys who are close to the team saying that. It's clear he's the best receiver. We have Sam Darnold, who loves to throw the ball over the middle of the field. Crowder finishes the wide receiver 31 last year, and that was with Darnold missing how many games through the Mono? Who says he couldn't even do better? Because as much as I'm not a Sam Darnold fan, he's still better than the trash they had to throw out there while he was being replaced. We got him ranked at wide receiver 32. This is a valuable wide receiver 33. This is a guy you plug in your lineup, you expect double-digit points out of every single week in half-point PPR. We have him for about 10 points a game. And he's a guy who's consistently going to get those numbers by hook or by crook. He scores a sneaky amount of touchdowns too for a guy who's more of a slot receiver. And we have him for about five to six this year. We have him for almost 900 yards, almost 70 receptions, and just over 100 targets. And I think it's pretty safe to say that that's going to happen. Oh, I'm sorry, we have him for 1,000 yards. I was looking at the wrong stat. We have him for 1,000 yards. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. His ADP of forty eight just astounds me. Does he consistent? Does he have the ceiling of some of these other guys? No. But is he going to be an easy plug and play in your lineup? One hundred percent. Moving on, number three, Preston Williams. I love this guy. I love that all the reports are coming out positive about him. That he seems back and he's healthy, and everybody seems raring to go. Remember. Before Devontae Parker took off, the guy who was actually getting the most targets on this team was Preston Williams at a rookie wide receiver. This is a guy who had off-the-field issues coming out of college, which is why he was drafted so low, but he has all the attributes of a number of a true number one perimeter wide receiver in this league. You add him with Devontae Parker and Chad Galey's system, yeah, he's going to get a chance to eat. You add the fact that he's definitely ready to go for week one, not just ready to go, but all reports are that he's explosive and completely recovered. Not only is that impressive, given the timing of the injury that he had in the ACL last year. But it's makes you very hopeful. Makes you fantasize about your fantasy. His ADP is wide receiver 59. We got him ranked at wide receiver 43. Which, frankly, I think might we might even be ranking him at his floor. Wide receiver 59, that's a guy who's borderline not even being drafted in some drafts. It's ridiculous. This was the number one targeted wide receiver before he went down on the Miami Dolphins last season. And we also saw what Parker could do. We also saw what Gasecki could do by the end of the season. If you get default targets in a team that's, you know, while their NFL running game is going to still be more competent than it was last season, it's still going to be a pass-first team because it's Chad Galey. I'm excited about what he could do, what he could bring, especially at that price. Drafting Preston Williams as your wide receiver four, that's a steal. A steal. His pace last year, don't forget, was 120 targets, 62 receptions, 856 yards, and six touchdowns. That would have made him the wide receiver 34, Had he been able to maintain that pace. Now, I know it's, you know, that's a little bit of loosey goosey math here and there, but it gives you an idea of how well he was performing. He was a solid wide receiver three. With Parker on the field, with Mike Isicki on the field, he was a solid wide receiver three. I love Preston Williams. That's why he's my number three sleeper. My number two sleeper. And maybe my favorite one to get in the later rounds, the double-digit rounds that we're talking about with some of these guys, is Deshaun Jackson. ADP 58. So his ADP is only one spot higher than Preston Williams. We have him ranked at wide receiver 46. And again, I might be raking this guy at his floor. You have no Alshon Jeffrey for the first six weeks. I know it's not official yet, but it's looking more and more like he's going to be headed to the Pup. So first six weeks, count Alshon Jeffrey out. That makes Deshaun Jackson the veteran leader. That makes him the number one targeted wide receiver. I've said on the show before that the number one targeted pass catcher, I still expect to be Zach Ertz by the end of the day, but I do think Deshaun Jackson will be the number one targeted wide receiver. All reports are that he's as fast as ever. Now, how many games is he going to give you? I don't know. That's a good question. One of the reasons why we wound up having him ranked at wide receiver 46 is because we're only projecting him for 12 games this year. And I think that very well could be generous. It may be more like 8 or 10. But even if you get 8 games out of Deshaun Jackson, let's say it's the first 8 games, you got 6 weeks, no Alshon. I guarantee you, Deshaun's seeing 6 to 8 targets in this past first offense. You give him his big playability with that speed, that much volume, I'm going to take my chances on Deshaun Jackson. He's going to be my wild card. He's going to be my wide receiver 3, my flex play he's the ultimate home run threat at the ultimate free draft price because he's that wide receiver 58 which again is a borderline getting drafted wide receiver and even in 12 man leagues. We want to talk about guys who are shaping up to have a really great opportunity to be hot at the start of the season to get your team off to a hot start to help you go a long way for the playoffs. Deshaun Jackson is that Guy. That guy. Very excited about what he can bring to the table. Very excited about where you can get him and the value that I very much feel like he's going to return to you, especially early on in the season. Now, drum roll, please. Da-da-da-da-da. Can't really do it that well. Number one sleeper. Brandon Cooks. Yes, I have Brandon Cooks projected as the number one receiver of the Houston Texans. Now, I have him as the number one receiver, whether Will Fuller's on the field or not. But I think everybody has to admit, even if you're a Will Fuller guy, that you recognize. Talk about wide receivers who probably will only play eight to ten games. And if I look here very quickly, I believe we only have him playing eight. No, actually, I gave him ten. I tried to be generous. I gave him ten games, but I wouldn't be surprised it's only eight. Brandon Cooks is still going to wind up as the number one target receiver at the end of the year because even though, yes, he had the concussion issues last season, I still have more faith in Brandon Cooks lasting entire 16-game season than I do Will Fuller. So just based on that, he's going to wind up being the Texans' number one receiver, but that would just be at his floor. This is a guy who went over a 1,000 yards every single year no matter what team he was playing for and has always been a really good receiver. This is a guy who's always had the deep play, big play, speed threat, but also was always an underrated route runner. He's finally going to get a chance, because with the Rams he was kind of had a specialty role there because they had Robert Woods, they had Cooper Cup. He's going to finally get a chance, I believe, to be that veteran wide receiver that he is and to show off his route running ability in this offense. Will Fuller's role, why would Will Fuller's role change because DeAndre Hopkins left? He really hasn't had the time to develop because he's been injured so often. He is the t- prototypical big play threat, number two receiver on that team. He's the guy who burns you when you're not paying attention. Brandon Cooks is the best route runner on the Houston Texans. He's going to be the guy who runs more of the DeAndre Hopkins tree. Now, he's not going to beat DeAndre Hopkins. He's not going to play necessarily the exact same role. But of the receivers who are going to get the opportunity to run the receiver tree and to run the option routes, it's going to be Brandon Cooks. Which is why I believe he's going to be the number one receiver of the Houston Texans. And we're talking about a Texans team that could have a lot of volume throwing the football because we're talking about what very well should be one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So I expect a lot of Brandon Cooks being fed. His ADP is wide receiver 37. We have him ranked at wide receiver 13. Oh, and by the way, for all the concussion issues that he had last year, he's only missed he only missed two games. That's it. He only missed two games. I know it seemed like a lot more. It took me by surprise, too. Now, there's some games there where he had to come out of, but he only missed two games. And he got over 1,000, except for last year, he got over 1,000 yards every year. Why wouldn't he be the number one? Why wouldn't he have tremendous value? He's definitely more valuable than the wide receiver three that he's getting drafted at. I can tell you that right now. So you want to talk about guys who are steals? We want to talk about guys who can put you over the top. We want to talk about guys that you can get after the fourth round and will give you that high-end production even still. Why I keep harping on drafting those running backs early because of the depth at wide receiver. He is a big part. He is he's exhibit A to the evidence that I have as to why that's okay and why you can get that great production later on in these drafts. Brandon Cooks, my number one sleeper. That's going to wrap it up for my Best 5, Bus 5, Sleeper 5 wide receivers. We will be back on Friday with the Best 5, Bus 5, Sleeper 5 tight ends. And, of course, we've got the full mock draft on Thursday. But we're not done with the show yet today. We still have the mailbag segment to get to. Now, of course, remember, if you want to get on the mailbag segment for any episode, just contact us on the MD Nation hotline, 609-362-2480. Or... Hit us up on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, at Belly up MDFF Show. Email us. I had a lot of people emailing me last year. They seem to ha- they seem to like to having that direct email contact. I don't care. I'm- I will get to you any way that you need me to help you for free. I- I'm-, I'm just here to help you guys. I love doing this so much that I just want to help everybody win. I want to help everybody in MD Nation get to the top. So email the show, MDSFantasyFootball at gmail.com. And all those are ways for you to get on the mailbag segment. I pulled out three questions today that I really, really liked to answer on the show. I answered everybody else's who, who asked the question on social media like I always do. But these three, I did not because I wanted to put them on the show. So first off, we got Jay Marr from Twitter. His question is, Robinson in the seventh, Alan Robinson, or A.J. Brown in the ninth in a standard keeper league? Well, here's here's the deal. When you're in a keeper league and you have two guys who are pretty close to each other, like Allen Robinson and A.J. Brown are, always keep the guy at the better value. Period. Now, we happen to have Allen Robinson and A.J. Brown ranked right next to each other at 17 and 18. So we, we have them in the same tier as each other. And... Yeah, we have Allen Robinson at 17, AJ Brown at 18, but when you're telling me a two-round difference, I can have AJ Brown in the ninth round. Not that not that having Allen Robinson in the seventh round is anything to to snub about. That's that's pretty great value too. But J. Mar, AJ Brown in the ninth round could be your league winner. Could be your your championship key. So we would definitely just say you go with the better value, which is definitely A.J. Brown in the 9th round. Thank you, J. Mar, for your question. This one was from Jason. Hit me up on Facebook. If I go three running backs in the first four rounds, which we've talked about quite a bit, can I feel good about Terry McLaurin, T.Y. Hilton, or Keenan Allen as my wide receiver too, which has more upside? Well, first and foremost, we talked about Keenan Allen. He's one of my busts, so obviously he's off the list. Another guy who almost made my bust list, but didn't quite, probably would have been my honorary number six bust, was T.Y. Hilton. And really, in some ways, he probably should have been even more of my bust. Now, part of this is because we don't have T.Y. Hilton playing 16 games. Over the past few years, T.Y. Hilton has proven to be more brittle, and even when he hasn't missed games, he's been out there a lot in decoy status over the past few years of his career. Now, with Phillip Rivers, this is probably an offense that might have a bit more volume throwing the ball than they did, but they still want to be kind of a run-first team. That's why they have Jonathan Taylor, they still kept Marlon Mack. They want to have that as part of their identity with that offensive line and taking some of the pressure off of Phillip Rivers. I think I do think that T.Y. Hilton and Phillip Rivers should have the most natural connection, and so far through training camp, have of everybody else on that team. Because you're talking about Michael Pittman, who's a rookie. You're talking about Paris Campbell, who really, in all intents and purposes, is a rookie still because he barely got to play last year. Jack Doyle has missed the last four practices with an injury. Trey Burton, who figures to go into the mix. So it should be T.Y. Hilton. But, and this is where the problem of having Philip Rivers as your quarterback is, I don't know how many big plays which T.Y. Hilton is usually what he thrives off of. Because even even when he's in his high-end days, has never been a consistent wide receiver. But more of a, a big player, bust type of guy. I don't know how many big plays he has in store for him with Phil Rivers, who clearly just doesn't have the arm strength anymore. Just doesn't. But he could be in line for more volume than we're used to seeing T.Y. Hilton get. But yeah, half-point PPR, T.Y. Hilton's our wide receiver 57. Yeah, 57. I have him playing thirteen games. That that's part of it. That's why we have him value down there. But an offense that's what going to throw the ball maybe five hundred forty times, maybe five hundred fifty times. It's not going to be six hundred like Phil Rivers was last season. This, this offense isn't really built to do that. It's not how they're going to be efficient. Take away a lot of the deep ball threats by bringing in Phil Rivers. I don't know. I don't like the situation. I don't. I might be too low on T.Y. Hilton. I, I definitely acknowledge that. But I don't see why he's in store for a big year. He would have to turn into Key and Allen with the volume, and I don't think he's in line for that kind of volume with this team. Not 140 targets, not 130 targets. So my point is he's not going to get those big plays, but he's not going to get that kind of volume. Well, then you're talking about a guy who, frankly, at the end of the day is going to have a low floor. He's not a double-digit touchdown guy. So all that is to say, to answer your question there, Jason, I would feel good about Terry McLaurin. If you're going to go through running backs in the first four rounds, of those three receivers you mentioned, it's Terry McLaurin, and it's not close for us. As Terry McLaurin's a number 15 wide receiver overall. So, yes, we definitely feel like he can be a strong number two. And it's definitely McLaurin. Definitely. Has the most upside and by far the highest floor in my book. He's going to be the one. He's going to get all the volume. There's nobody even threatening him for that. I don't care who the quarterback is. It should be Dwayne Haskins, which should be even better, given their rapport. So we would feel good about Terry McLaurin. Last question. L.A. Mamba from Twitter asks, six pick and a half point PPR, who should I draft? I don't like, he says, I don't like drafting wide receivers, but Michael Thomas is a beast. Yeah, he is. I don't like drafting wide receivers in the first round this year either. The only way I would even consider it is if it was a full point PPR league at number five, then I would consider drafting Michael Thomas if you felt so inclined to go that direction. But half point? No. It needs to be running back. You have to stick with that. And as far as our six pick goes, if our top five running backs come off the board, well then our number six guy is Joe Mixon. Number one. I think we talked about this a little bit. Uh, the holdout's not a thing. I'm sorry. Joe Mixon's our number seven. It would be Derek Henry who would be our number six guy for half point PPR. My mistake. So I would tell you to draft Derek Henry. Uh, just a hard one. Joe Mixon, real quick. The, the holdout's not a thing. It's not a concern to have. We know he's a budding star running back. We know it should be a better offense overall. We know that he should be getting fed the ball quite a bit, even early on this season after they learned last year that the more you give this guy the ball, the stronger he gets. So we love Joe Mix, and that's why he's our number seven. Our number six is Derrick Henry. Even though there are some concerns, some legitimate concerns, about the offensive line, about losing Jack Conklin, This team still revolves around Derrick Henry. And having Ryan Tannehill, which even if he doesn't play to the same level that he did towards the end of last year when they went on their magical little run, he's still a mobile quarterback. He's still a guy who can run the RPOs. He's still a guy who's going to open things up for Derrick Henry in his own right. We know Henry's going to get 300 carries. And we have him in line for about 1,400 yards rushing and 13 to 13, 14 touchdowns. The question is, you know, what's he going to give you in the receiving game? And we only have him for about 33 targets and 28 receptions. But the rushing stats will be there. His floor, if nothing else, will be there. So Derek Henry, we feel like, is a pretty safe pick at number six. I think Joe Mixon might have a little bit more upside, which is why I would consider Joe Mixon there as well. But Derek Henry is probably as safe as they come. He's a big guy. He's not an injury-prone guy. If you're drafting six, we would take Derrick Henry over Michael Thomas there. Just a little FYI for you, LA Mamba from Twitter. Love the questions, guys. Make sure you guys take advantage of being able to get on the mailbag segment, make sure you take advantage of me. I'll always be there for you, even if we don't want to picking your question for the show. I will still give you a very thoughtful, and insightful answer to give you the information you need to make your decision yourself. Because that's what this show is all about at the end of the day, is giving you the best information so you can make your decision that you want to make, and the best one that you possibly can. That officially wraps up the show. We will see you guys next week. Remember, Thursday, Full Point PPR Mock Draft, and then Friday we got the Best 5, bus 5, Sleeper 5 at the tight end position. I actually don't know what we're going to do the following week because the following week will be the last week before the regular season actually starts. We may do an extended mailbag segment. We may do some more mock drafts. we we'll talk some draft strategy because that'll be the last probably few weeks that there will be drafts going on. Probably a lot of them will be happening during that time because I know a lot of people are waiting to last possible second this year, more so than any other. Finally, listening to the advice of the MD's finished Football Show. So I don't know. We're going to keep it open. We're going to get some feedback from you guys. Make sure you hit us up and listen on your favorite podcast app, wherever that may be. And other than this episode, always go back and watch us on YouTube, Sportscaster Live, Twitter, Periscope, Facebook Live. We're everywhere. Everybody stay healthy, and I'm going to see you guys again really soon. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports. MD's Fantasy Football Show. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?